Welcome to the What If Podcast, where we rewrite sports past, present, and future. We're your hosts, Eddie, Jeet, Cameron, and Michael. Four lifelong friends, each with a unique perspective on sports. And find out, what if Garincha did not have an alcohol addiction? Hey everyone, welcome to the What If Podcast. We have another awesome episode for you coming up right now. So I'm really excited about it, but I think kind of talking about what's going on in the sports world right now. I've been having the NBA playoffs in the background and it's been a lot of fun just watching these games. So really just tossing it to you guys. How is everyone's NBA playoff bracket going for 2022? What are some surprises you've noticed? Were any teams that you had going far knocked out already? And how are you feeling about your bracket? Before we jump in, we should mention that uh, one of our listeners, shout out to Gary. I know he loves NBA episodes. So here's a little NBA snippet for you, Gary. Love you, Gary. You're my guy. (laughs) Yes. Thank you, Gary. And hey, you show support for the pod. You may be included in an episode. So feel free to share some love with us. Thank you, Gary, for tuning in. And by the way, Cameron reminded me right before I started the segment to give a quick update where we are as we record. As we speak, there are two NBA playoff games going on right now. Uh, Are they done? I don't remember. Uh, (laughs) Miami. Miami just went up 2-0 in their series against Philly. And Phoenix is currently losing, but they're up 1-0 in the series right now. So it'll be interesting with our feedback. Like we'll probably have a bunch of predictions and one of the teams will be knocked out already before this episode even comes out. That is very true. And for the sticklers out there, there is 651 left in the second quarter of the Phoenix Dallas game. So if you really want to call us out, that is a time mark as we speak. G, tossing over to you, my friend. What are your thoughts on your bracket? Thanks, Michael. I think overall I'm in last place. My bracket, I don't think it's too terrible at the moment because I think both my conference finals are still in play. And I honestly think that they're still likely to happen. So I got everything right except for half the things, basically. So I thought Utah would go through. They did not. Everything but half. (laughs) Everything but half. I thought Toronto would beat Philly. They did not. And I thought Brooklyn would win. They definitely did not. So I've still got Eastern Conference Finals of Miami versus Milwaukee, which I stand by. And I've got a Western Conference Finals of Phoenix versus Golden State, which I also stand by. Overall, I'm actually not too disappointed with how my bracket is looking. And I think it'll probably even out towards the end. But we'll see. Rough start, but strong finish. That's what I'm predicting. And just for context, Cheat has Phoenix winning in six versus the Miami Heat. So still looking good, Cheat. Yeah. It's also funny that that I don't want Phoenix or Miami to make it to the finals. I would much rather see a Golden State-Milwaukee final. But I kind of chose them both to lose in the conference finals just so that I would at least have a, like a 
compensation prize in case the teams I want to go through don't go through, at least my bracket would be okay. Setting myself up for success either way. Playing the long game here, G. Good for you. Were you sad for the Minnesota Timberwolves? They're somewhat near Michigan. No, I wasn't that sad about them. I got you. Maybe a lot of us weren't too sad. <laughs> shout out to the Timberwolves <laughs> out there. Man. Yeah, shout out to the Timberwolves fans out there, wherever you are. Uh, Eddie, I'm coming to you now, my friend. Your bracket, what are some things that you think are looking really good? Maybe some surprises so far? And yeah, who do you have in the championship in the finals? Maybe let us know why your bracket name is called Jeremy Grant. Good question. Basically, my friend Sam, I was at his place and I was leaving and there was a game on. I forget which teams were playing. So I said, hey, by the time I leave, you know, when you get back to your apartment and the first person that scores, that's going to be the name of my first child. So then he texted, he's like, hey, congratulations to your child, Jeremy Grant, or, or Jeremy. So I love it. I'm sticking with it. I think that's a great name. So yeah, that's the name of my bracket. But anyways, I'm not really surprised by this. I don't even know why I chose this, but I had Denver going all the way to the finals. I believe so much in Jokic. I thought Jokic could carry the team, but watching that series against Golden State, it looked pretty clear that... They needed Jamal Murray and, and MPJ. So I'm also really surprised by Brooklyn being swept. Did not see that coming at all. But watching them play was pretty bad. They yeah. did not share the ball. I don't, I'm not a big fan of like this hero ball stuff. And I think Kyrie and Durant were playing this hero ball. I like it when you share the basketball. And that's what Boston was doing. So I'm not really surprised by that result. But yeah, I'm rooting for the Bucs. I hope the Bucs make it all the way to the finals. I'm kind of surprised that Jeet had like a one seed versus a one seed. That doesn't usually happen. So I don't think that will happen. I think Phoenix might come out the West and meet Milwaukee. I think it would be a repeat. Um, if I were to revise this, I think it would be a repeat. So. We'll see what happens. Eddie, do you think mm. out of Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, are all three going to be back on the Nets next year, or or one of them, or all of them not going to be there? I think all three are going to be back with the Nets. Hmm. Eddie, you said you're not a huge fan of the hero ball. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. What are your thoughts on that guy named Tyler down in South Beach? What are your thoughts on him? Tyler Heels. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, he can ball. Hero. Yeah, he's good. Nice. On a less pun related note, I did have a question specific to you, Eddie. I was watching the Golden State Memphis game two last night, and I was like, how cool is it that all these players who used to play for Michigan State? different eras tom Izzo was in attendance how about you eddie you get a lot of michigan state representation is it cool when they go against each other yeah it's really cool um i haven't really watched that series in particular but i know in the golden state denver 
there was uh, Draymond versus Bryn Forbes, although Bryn Forbes didn't really play that much. But, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I'm kind of conflicted in this series. I love Draymond, but I'm, I, don't, I don't know if I really want the Warriors to win or do well. I love Xavier Tillman and Jaron Jackson Jr., but I'm not a big fan of the Grizzlies and John Morant. Really, although I have to admit, I know Cameron has been trying to get me to like John Morant, and he's slowly, just ever so slightly, growing on me. So, uh, did you see? Was it Game Six? That dunk that he put on in the fourth quarter. He threw one of those disgusting dunks I've ever seen in like the middle of an intense playoff game. I think I've seen it, but I didn't see it in the moment. I and then to... that layup that he hit to win the game. Unreal. I need to see those. I haven't seen those. Eddie, you are missing out. You dropped 47 the other night, last night? Mm-hmm. It was wild. Out of anyone in the NBA, outside of, like, prime LeBron, easily the most exciting player I think I've ever seen. Like, when you watch a game, there's just like, oh, my God, this guy is, like, on a different planet. Almost like yeah. Derek Rose-esque in his MVP season. Wow. And that you do see players are just like, wow, that is not human. Yeah. Like I had not seen John Moran play, truth be told, like maybe a game and then CW tournament when he was with Murray State. I don't know, some highlights. Seeing him live, just every single play, that guy is shifty. He is smart. He knows how to just fool defenders. But I will say about this with the Memphis Grizzlies, I am not a fan of a certain player because i think he is a whiny player eddie you're not gonna like it jjj is a no 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 for me (laughs) okay he just every foul it's like the end of the world for him he just throws his arms around he's like he can't believe it but i will say memphis is a fun team to watch oddly enough that's very similar with jamon green (laughs) yeah what what's going on don't know with that yeah i don't know no comment <laughs> we'll ask tom about it later but yeah thank you eddie but yeah milwaukee still looks good in six perhaps in the finals so cameron tossing it over to you man yeah my bracket sucks shambles really not like super shambles the only game i got wrong was brooklyn but I had them going to the finals, so I don't know. I just thought Star Power would win out. KD played horrific the whole series. Uh, Didn't really see that happening. The whole Ben Simmons saga really stunk, which he just said today he's having back surgery. To really have no idea. I know, like, a lot of stuff about mental health and stuff. I know we go into that in this episode a little bit, but there's a lot of other stuff that was going on. I don't know if I would consider that to be mental health but i digress but yeah everything else is looking pretty good in my west i'm very confident in my picks in the west that if phoenix plays golden state in the conference finals that would be an amazing series nba finals-esque in my eyes in the east if i had to replace brooklyn i'm pretty torn between miami and milwaukee I think Milwaukee ends up beating Boston, but Boston's playing really good too. That's really, I think there's really three teams you could see 
like have a legitimate shot of winning a title in the East as well. I think you could probably say two in the West. I don't know if I'd put Memphis in that category. I think they're pretty young, but they're still a really good team, obviously. But yeah, the East is going to be a fun couple of series here too. I, I'm really sad that Joel Embiid is not more of a factor in this Miami series because I think that would be an amazing series too. But Miami's defense is incredible. I just I don't know if they can score enough to keep up with whoever comes out of the Milwaukee-Boston game. So if I had to guess, I would probably say whoever wins that series, which I think Milwaukee would win that series, uh, is going to the final. So I also have a rematch, I think, with Phoenix winning this time in seven still. Good stuff, Cameron. Do you want Phoenix to win over Milwaukee if that does happen? Or like you said, Phoenix is going to win in seven. What do you want? I don't. I don't know what I want really. Like there's not like one thing I'm like really rooting for. I'm just rooting for good games. Like if every series went to seven, mm. I, I'd be ecstatic. Cause yeah. I mean, this has just been, this playoffs in general has been very good games. So very fun to watch. And we have not even had a game seven yet, if I'm not mistaken, at least in the mm-hmm. first round, right? We'll see about the second, but I agree that it's been a good round of playoffs so far. I agree with you, Cameron, on the Golden State Phoenix. If that happens, that would be some top-notch basketball. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll see what happens, but yeah, the bracket's looking pretty good, Cameron. Yeah, very good. It's not in shambles. I don't know what you're talking about. It's just I won <laughs> the Cool. Thank you, Cameron. I suppose going to my bracket. I think things are looking decently well. I think I was the only one. You're in first, I think. Hey, there you go. I think I chose every single first round selection, right? If not like the number of games. So that does mean I had Boston beating Brooklyn. I talked to Eddie Cameron Jeter about this. I was fed up with like all the talk ESPN was having with Brooklyn. How far are they going to go? Blah, 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 blah. Like, no, I'm done with it. Get them out. I don't want to hear them talk about them anymore. So like one of those years at Cleveland, Golden State, they always meant the finals. Cleveland had to go into Boston, Jason Tatum's rookie year, and win a game seven. Giannis, following LeBron's fold in the second round series, he's going to do the same thing. It's going to go to seven. Game seven will be in Boston. Giannis is going to win in Boston. He's going to have an incredible performance like LeBron did a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So I do have Milwaukee losing the next round to Miami. I'm a huge Miami fan. Just so much depth there. It's beautiful. So the East is fun. I I totally agree, Cameron. It's a shame Joel Embiid isn't playing right now. I hope he comes back for games three and four in Philly, at least make it competitive, because otherwise, it's unfortunate, this timing, right? You just hate him to not be able to have anything to do with his Mm. playoff results. And the fact that he got hurt, and they're up like 100 points in that game, and he got hurt. Like, how much does that suck? Yeah, I don't think Doc Rivers will hear the end of that anytime soon. The fact that he kept him in at that point. But going to the Western Conference, things are looking good. Not each fan of Dallas. I gave him one round, no more. So Phoenix is going through. Golden State, Memphis is a fun one. But I think Golden State will push through just that experience. And yeah, I agree. Phoenix, Golden State. Man, and even Miami, Milwaukee. That's who I have in the conference finals. 
those are incredible teams. Just slugfest. Um, yeah. So we'll see about Chris Middleton, but I do have Miami making it to the finals versus Golden State and Miami in six. I'm a big Jimmy Butler fan. So we'll see what happens. Things are looking good, though. Any final remarks, y'all, on your brackets or the NBA playoffs? Let's hope for game sevens all the rest of the way. Let's do it. Make it exciting. Cool. Thank you all for listening. If you're not already tuning in to the NBA playoffs, make sure you do so because you'll get to see if our predictions are holding up. Otherwise, thank you all for tuning in. We are about to dive into the episode about Garincha starting right now. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. We're diving straight into the topic. So our topic is talking about a truly incredible individual and based off Cameron's, Jeet's, and Eddie's facial reactions, they may not know who I'm referring to. So I always like to pose some questions. So fellas, rapid fire, who are the most famous Brazilian men's soccer players that you could list right now? The greats. Zico. I like it, Eddie. Ronaldinho. No doubt. The GOAT, Pelé. 100% Pelé. Any other quick ones? Is Kaká, is he Brazilian? Mm-hmm. Ronaldo. Phenomeno. Ooh. The Phenomeno party. I like it. Romario. Ooh, that's a good one, Eddie. So... All these are amazing Brazilian soccer players. But what if I told you, you three had never heard of who I'm going to talk about who rivaled Pelé? Have y'all ever heard of Garincha? Outside of a minute ago when I introduced the topic. No. Does that have an alternate meaning? Like, is there something like a beverage or something? Not that I know. No, I've never heard of it then. It sounds familiar, but no. I got you. So long story short, he played with Pelé, and he is a soccer player who played for the Brazilian national team. But unfortunately, his story does come with a sad ending and honestly a sad beginning. He fought a lot with alcohol addiction, lots of different other things. But he was the most incredible soccer player during his time. And ironically, we've all heard of Pelé. We all know of him as the GOAT, if not the second best of all time in soccer. They made their professional debut for the Brazilian national team in this very same game. But diving in a little bit more about who this guy is, he is a 5'7 player who was actually born with deformities in his legs. So if I'm not mistaken, one leg was significantly shorter than the other. And Truth be told, like he had a really rough upbringing in the state of Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, very small city. And he did not even really play soccer competitively until he had a tryout with the Brazilian soccer club called Botafogo when he was 19 years old. When he turned 19, he started playing for them. His friend invited him to play with the team, just a train. And within like 15 minutes, he nutmegged the Brazilian national team keeper who played for Botafogo. And immediately the goalie was like, we need to sign this guy. 
I'd like to point out, Michael, that that's a, an amazing play by the goalkeeper to be like, instead of being like, oh, he just beat me, being like, no, this guy's really good. That's an amazing like way of backing up a terrible play by you. No, absolutely. Kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, we need to get this guy. All is good. Take the blame off me. But yeah, he was described as a really like flamboyant player on the pitch. So imagine like the guy who has all the tricks, the guy who's going to beat a player, and then he's going to go back to that same defender and beat him again and do it again. This guy had that much skill and had that much audacity where you think objectively in a soccer game, you don't really want to do this. But this guy, Garincha, was so skilled with the ball. And he was described as a child in the playground when he played because he loved football and wanted to entertain others rather than win while not allowing his physical problems to restrict him. So again, this guy's only 5'7". He's had deformities growing up. He's had struggles, really poor upbringing. But he then became really popular with Botafogo. And Brazil won two World Cups, their first two, 1958, 1962. You could probably imagine Pelé played a significant role in both. Is that fair to say? Do you all think that? Yeah. What if I told you that wasn't the case? That's right, G. In the 1962 World Cup, Pelé was injured for much of it. But guess who carried the entire team for the most part? Garincha. Eh. So his first like big appearance was 1958. Everyone was talking about Pelé, but Garincha really came in, was incredible. And they were talking about this team, Pelé, Garincha, so many other players. They played the Soviet Union in a game. And it was described in the first three minutes of this game as the most incredible soccer that had ever been played. In the sense of like how attacking Brazil was and just within seconds, they were already like attacking the Soviet Union's goal. And Garincha was a huge part of that, but he was a winger. And honestly, he was criticized a lot for his intelligence. So amazing uh, soccer player, but truth be told during his entire playing career, really fought with alcoholism. His father had dealt with it when he was growing up and it was really bad later in his career. But in the 1958 World Cup, it was described that Pelé may have been considered too youthful to be thrown into the deep end against the Soviet Union. But Garincha was somewhat incredibly, and this is coming from a website article, deemed too stupid to be an international footballer. Psychologists had thought of Garincha, whose IQ scores were rumored to be in the low 70s, as a man not capable of grasping the gravitas of the situation. So just kind of getting a feel. I mean, hey, that's kind of messed up to say. But he really was about the flair. He was about the enjoying of the game, the beauty of the game. And you really think about that. Pelé had been described as like a role model growing up in Brazilian society when he was coming up through the ranks. Garincha was not that. He was the opposite. And after they beat the Soviet Union, Garincha was baffled why the Soviet Union, the players were so like, they're crying on the field. This is the World Cup. Like he was like, why are they, why are they crying? There's two legs to this World Cup. Like, what's going on? He did not know that was a knockout game for the Soviet Union. So whoever lost that game was out. He thought it was still a two-leg playoff. So that kind of gives you a feel for it. just out here just winging it. Has no idea what's going on. Just dominating. I love it. Exactly. I think mentally in the game, 
not so much, but he was there for the fun. He was there for the thrill, for the crowd, like for the people. And I think you could probably see that in his playing style, probably really tough to see on YouTube, any clips of him, but just hearing how he would go back to the same defender after humiliating him twice. Like there takes a certain type of flair and arrogance to do that. And he had it and he was really, really solid. So following the 1958 World Cup, Pelé became the world's first true soccer superstar. Garincha, who would represent the artistry and ultimately the tragedy of Brazilian life. Anything about that, like Brazilian national soccer team, win World Cup, you're right there. Incredible. And he was a huge part of their win, back-to-back World Cups. But I really liked the way this article described him. So a few more words. He played the game like everyone wanted it to be played, but nobody had yet dared. To a man who grown up amidst such adversity, a big international game was no pressure at all. It was just a form of escape from a miserable existence. It's tough to hear because imagine if he had an upbringing that he didn't have an alcoholic father, he wasn't growing up in poverty, and then how that would have manifested itself later in his life because he did struggle with alcoholism to a great deal. He was a huge womanizer. He had multiple, multiple, multiple affairs. He had children from many other different women. And he was married during this entire time as well. So he was a bit of a troubled person. But yeah, very different when you talk about ballet and this guy named Garincha. Kind of giving the stats of Garincha, like how many goals he scored for club. And then really just diving into a few questions I had for y'all. So he played over 600 games for Botafogo. He scored around 250 goals. Now, each era is different from one another, but 250 and 600, like, it's pretty good for a winger. And you also have to consider, like, after the 1962 World Cup, at that point, he really fell off. He already achieved two World Cups. He really delved even further into his alcoholism. And it really showed after that. You know, the articles talk about his play just falling off the cliff. So he passed away in his late 40s from an alcohol-induced coma. There were so many different things I won't dive into, but just for the sake of time, I want to hear from you guys. Like, what are your thoughts about this player, Grincha? He's been not lost to history, but I'm curious, like, what are y'all's initial thoughts about this player, his upbringing, his play style? how he kind of compares to Pelé, who we all know. But then also, like, who are players, sadly, who we've come up growing with, you know, like watching on the telly, who have maybe struggled as well with substance use disorder, different issues, who, when we look in 50 years, we remember them of how incredible they were, similar to how Brazilians in the 50s and the 60s were watching Corincha. Who are players that we may think in time They may be not as remembered as much as they should have, given how incredible they were, but with their own personal struggles. It's a bit more of a serious question, that one. So what do you guys think? That's a good question, Michael, because the very first thing I thought of whenever you were talking about like substance abuse and everything, like mental illness in the last two years has taken a giant leap in visibility for some of these athletes. I mean, think about like, Naomi Osaka, Simone Biles, 
I mean, even now with like Kyrie and Ben Simmons and stuff like that, I mean, like mental health is like a huge issue that people are talking about. So if he has the resources of today and, you know, maybe a little bit more understanding or a little bit more, I guess, like maybe patience with that type of thing that he might've been able to like work through that a little bit, but, you know, back in, when did you say this was like the sixties? Um, yeah. Late fifties, early sixties. Yeah. Late fifties, early sixties. Like if no one believes in like a mental illness, like it's just like a get over it kind of a thing. Right. So very interesting question. Yeah. I mean, I only pose like two questions to y'all. Um, I find this guy incredible, like just for context before y'all jump back in his funeral. And this guy is very low key, like very private. And he actually was buried in the very small town in Rio de Janeiro, the state that he was born in. But for context, the Maracanã, the stadium in Rio, famous one, over 100,000, the entire stadium was packed. It was filled for his funeral. So that just kind of gives an idea like, this guy was a legend. He was truly an utter legend. And even though he had this incredible burial, like he wanted when he was buried to be buried in a small town, or at least his family wanted him to be there. What else do you guys think? I think two things. One is that it always makes me wonder when these supreme athletes grow up in poverty or difficult situations if that is what makes them become excellent athletes. Whereas like, if they didn't have those kind of struggles, would they not be as good athletes? Like I was sitting on this plane to LA one time with this guy who was a tennis coach. And he just started talking to me. Like he loved tennis and he was like, yeah, the reason why Serena and Venus were so good was because they had to get out of where they grew up. Like they lived in Compton. They had to use their skills to get out of there. And I don't know how like true that is. That's what that guy told me, but. I think that's like a, a lot of athletes have that kind of story. And if they didn't have that kind of struggle, then would they have as much success, which is such a sad thing, you know, like you need to live in poverty to be successful down the line. And how many people are in poverty that don't end up successful? It's like far outnumbers the people that do make it. So it's just really mm-hmm. sad that people have to go through that stuff. And it sounds like in his case, he had a lot of struggles that, like Cameron was saying, probably weren't acknowledged at the time and weren't socially acceptable to talk about. And then he like maybe had no other choice and didn't know any other way to live. And I guess the name that it reminded me of was Adriano, the striker oh. from like the early 2010s or late 2000s, the Brazilian who was like, Everyone was saying he's going to be the next big thing, like the next great player. Like he could do everything. And then his career didn't really pan out. I don't know the reasons why specifically, but yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just a hard thing to tell, like how much strife is beneficial in the long run and how much is just too much to overcome. It is kind of interesting to think about how he, like you were saying, like he doesn't really have a lot of like social awareness about what's happening and the importance of some things, because I mean, that could be, that's a huge advantage for him. Like you mentioned with against playing against the Soviet Union, like he didn't know it was winter go home that day. He was just playing, 
you're just like, it's another game. You know, we still got another one. Mm-hmm. I imagine he, like, obviously, I, I've never really heard of him. So I, just like from what you've said, it just sounds like he's just like a guy that just loved playing the game, didn't care about the moment. Wherever they told him to go, he was going to go and play kind of a thing. I mean, that's a huge advantage for those guys because how, how often do you hear about like people like crumbling under pressure in, in big events and, you know, never being able to win high intense games and things like that because they just can't handle the moment. And obviously, like, that's what makes players great. You know, your Kobe's and LeBron's and those guys, is, they do win in those games. I mean, they play their best in those games. So just to be, like, not affected by that at all is crazy. But at the same time, probably, like, led to a lot of the issues that he had because he just wasn't able to, like, wrap his head around what was happening to him, maybe. like Not a lot of, like, self-awareness, maybe, in that as well. So it's one of those things that's like give or take, but unfortunately one took over the other eventually. For sure. I, uh, the thing that, re- that I really appreciate about this Garicha fellow is the fact that he played with joy. And I think about the game, soccer, football, the way how it's played today, I think the amount of self-expression that players have is limited. It's minimized the last player that i can remember that could like express themselves like that fully and have joy was ronaldinho he was doing all these flicks Mm. and the way how the game is now it's full of tactics it's full of like player positioning players have to be at a certain place at a certain time and you know make sure you defend you know things like that so just hearing about garincha and how he would do all these flicks and tricks i think in today's game it would be discouraged but I think it's a reminder of it's good to have those elements back in the game. I think it'll make it a little bit entertaining. Not to say that the game is not entertaining now. Yeah, sure, the games are fun and there's lots of goals and stuff, but seeing those individual performances and things like that, that's something that's missing. I know Ronaldo, Ronaldo, the Portuguese one, he started off his career doing all those tricks. He did like those Rabonas and things like that, but he doesn't do that anymore. But yeah, that's kind of what that reminded me of. That entertainment value of individual expression is missing now. And then I like what Jeet said about how people, one has to struggle to have, or have to have like some type of struggle to have some type of success. And, you know, that's also unfortunate that that occurs. I don't really have a comment on that, but I wanted to resurface that thought, that comment that Jeet had in case anybody had any comments. I will say though, so you were talking about how like you were speaking to that tennis coach and everything. And I I saw King Richard and I think based on what the tennis coach was telling you, Jeet, that they had to get out of the tough situation to be who they are. Am I correct in that what the coach said? Based on the movie, I know it's kind of dramatized, so it may not be 100% true, but having, you know, a role model or someone that you look up to, in this case, it was a father who was like very supportive of these two girls and did everything in his power to make sure that he get them to the best facilities so that they can be properly trained. Having someone that, you know, believes in you, believes in your ability, can 
I guess it can sort of make it seem like one is not not suffering, if that makes sense. Maybe in hindsight, when people look back, they see that it was struggle to get there. But while they're in it, it's not necessarily struggle, especially when you have the presence of someone that is fully supportive. So I think you never know, maybe Garincha, maybe maybe he had like a, a group of people that were really supportive of him even despite like on the outside or like when you look back, he was in poverty. So I don't know if that makes sense, but that's just something I wanted to explore a little bit, what Jeet brought up. Eddie, that makes me, that brings up a question for me, which I think Michael, you'd probably be the best person to answer, but how much do you think Brazilian culture had an impact on Garincha's career? Because like, I feel like there's no athlete in world sports that's under more pressure than a soccer player in Brazil. So like, how do you think, do you think if Garincha was any other nationality, he wouldn't have had the career that he had? Like, do you think the Brazilian culture had a big effect on him or was it not as much? Hmm. That's a really good question, G. You know, if, I will preface this by saying Garincha's experience to an extent actually kind of resembles one of an uncle of mine who actually passed away from, to be honest, alcoholism in Brazil. And he was playing at the club level in Brazil. Like he was really, really good. So I think when you talk about Brazilian culture, like it is very, you know, socially accepted to go out and be like, you just drink a lot of alcohol and that being kind of part of daily life and not a lot of people calling that out or at least offering help for those. And, you know, that's recent culture in Brazil too. Imagine the 1950s where, you know, his father, same thing, was really addicted to alcohol from an early age. I'd started drinking really young. Whether it's different if he did not grow up in Brazil, I don't know. What would that look like in other Latin American countries compared to growing up in a European country, an African country? I don't know. But I think he really did embrace Brazilian culture in the way that he played with that excitement, with the flair, the carefree personality where, you know, there was that YouTube clip or the show like Jogo Bonito, like you're really watching the beautiful game. And I think that is case in point when, you know, these fans at Maracana in these World Cups were watching this five foot seven player play. And imagine who's another like relatively short South American player who had some issues with growth development who is arguably the best player of all time as well. Messi, right? He took growth hormone like growing up too. And again, I wouldn't say Garincha's lost history. People don't remember him. But imagine if he grew up in today's age, he got the help that he needed, whether it be in Brazil or if he goes to club in Europe. And he has like the medical benefits of today's society compared to the 1950s. I don't know. We could be talking about the greatest player of all time, truth be told, with this player, Garincha. And there are not too many players in the world who could say they've won two World Cups. Like, really think about that. Many of which from that Brazil team, maybe a few others, but you start thinking about it, that does not happen. The argument could be of like, yeah, but it was the 1950s and the 1960s. Sure, could be more competitive today, but has any other country done it? Two consecutive World Cups? So getting to the point, I don't know if I answer your question, but I, I think Brazilian culture 
is very not dependent, but it's very inviting of being socially active with alcohol. So I think that really did play a role. Whether it was a different time period, maybe had made a bigger difference than where he grew up. Do you think that it would have been like a him and Pele would have battled for being like the most popular player in Brazil being that like Pele, like you said, was more mm. of like a role model and he was more of like the life of the party. Like, I feel like that could go one of two ways. It could be like Batman and Robin where they're like the greatest duo of all time. And they're able to reach like a lot of different people because they're different styles. I don't know what Pele was like. So I, I don't know if he was like kind of similar in that way that he would like, he was really social or maybe he was a little bit more stoic. I don't know, but I wonder how that affects how like if he would have continued to play at a high level, like if people would have embraced him more than Pele or if people would have kind of maybe looked down upon him a little bit because it's like, oh, that's not for everybody kind of a thing. Because the way I'm like thinking about it, think about like in today's age with social media, like how often you see some guys who are like always like out partying and like always on social media and doing stuff on YouTube and online and stuff. And some people are like, Hey, just focus on the game. And like, you know, you're saying he's like had like all these affairs and stuff. So they're like, maybe a lot of people don't like that side Mm. of things and, you know, don't like him as a player because of those like off the field type things. But, you know, a lot of other people love players who are really outgoing and eccentric and get a lot of like social media attention. Like every night it feels like you open up Instagram and there's a reel of like, oh so-and-so is at you know this party or this club and they did like shots with somebody and it was hilarious or like doing like funny interviews and stuff i don't know Mm. i i just wonder what you thought of like if he would have continued to play like what would his i guess outlook be in society in brazil and i guess across the world too knowing that like how much respect pele has right now if he were to continue to grow I think the Batman Robin conversation, like if he would have kept on going at a high level, like, you know, where would he rank with LA? Like would have been equals one or the other at the very minimum, they would have been really close to each other. I think already when Pele was 17 came into the world cup, he was already the phenom. He was well-known internationally marketing wise. Like I imagine if both players were today, Like Pelé would be across the world on all things marketing wise. He would be talked about so much more. Garincha with his off the field struggles. He wouldn't even want that kind of life. That just wasn't who he was. So I think in that way, public opinion may sway more towards Pelé. But yeah, for playing style and just like carefree approach, which really ties into the laissez-faire, go with the flow Brazil vibe. I think a lot of people love Garincha. Not to say they didn't love Pelé. But Garincha had something else like that really struck on people's emotional chords. Any final thoughts from you fellas? No, I think this is a great topic. Thank you for bringing power to Garincha's name, you know, resurfacing his name to people that don't know. I really appreciate that. I learned a lot. Michael, is this something that you saw like an article that inspired you? Or is this like someone that's like always like you've always known of, but no one else has really like heard of him and you wanted to do the topic or yeah I learned about him so for context when I went to university I got a minor basically in 
Brazilian cultural studies and language. And we were having a conversation one day of the best soccer players of all time. And Garincha came up and just this discussion of, I remember my professor saying like, you know, he had a lot of issues medically growing up, but that, that actually kind of gave him an advantage on the field because he could like contort his body some way because one leg was shorter than the other. And that was a benefit on the field. I just, from that time, you know, every once in a while I'll read an article about him and it had been on my radar a while because I had not heard of him at all before that class. Seems like y'all haven't, perhaps our audience like probably hasn't really heard of him. And it's just fascinating because he was top of the world. So I learned about him a little bit ago and I've been wanting to do a topic probably last month or two, at least something around him. And my last question is, was his strong foot the short leg or the long leg? I don't know. I'm going to do a little homework. Y'all have to read a few articles about Garincha. I imagine there's probably a leverage you get from like a long leg. Like I bet that's like oddly powerful from a smaller person. Just being like one leg is so much longer than the other. I don't know. Yeah, I could imagine like faints in soccer like Messi's really good at faints like faking one way to go to the other maybe it'd be a like big benefit there I've never seen him play like I don't even know if they're YouTube clips of the guy but yeah to wrap up the conversation thanks fellas for the talk of Garincha and honestly I want to read more I have a Pele autobiography so I kind of want to see like does he mention him at all in the autobiography and kind of go from there but yeah thank you all for listening hopefully you had a great time until our next episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to the What If Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you'll know when we've released a new episode. And check out our social media pages on Instagram and Twitter at WhatIfPodSTL. Again, that's at WhatIfPodSTL. Stay tuned as we continue to reimagine the world of sports. As we speak, there are two NBA playoff games going on right now. Uh, are they done? I don't remember. So I got everything right except for half the things, basically. Eddie, you said you're not a huge fan of the Hero Ball. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. What are your thoughts on that guy named Tyler down in South Beach? What are your thoughts on him? Tyler heels. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what what's going on? What's going on with that? Yeah, I don't know. No comment. <laughs> Brooklyn, how far are they gonna go? Blah, 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 blah. Like, no, I'm done with it. Get them out. I don't want to hear them talk about them anymore. The What If Podcast, produced by Michael Kelly.